0: And welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. So my husband and I, we are pastors of Generation City, And we also have a vision to build drug-free people and communities and to give female prisoners a second chance at life. For 21 years, we've been sharing our testimonies in schools, talking to young people about standing up Saying no to drugs. We work with families, and for several years we've worked with females who are in prison at our state maximum security prison, our remand and reintegration facility, and our young people serving time in detention. I'm currently studying my Master's in Criminology. I believe that the Lord is saying, let's not just make your voice louder, but make it stronger. And so I've got about six months left to go on that and I'm excited at what God will do at the end of it. You know, my passion to help others is not done out of duty or even a career, but it's done out of a heart that has been truly touched by the love and grace and power of God. You see, my story, if we go to the next slide, at 21, I was a heroin addict. I was on the methadone program, I was in an abusive relationship, and I used to wake up every morning and I used to ask myself this question. How the hell am I gonna get hundreds of dollars today to support my next drug hit? I would break the law, I would hurt my family, I would steal, to do anything just to get high. My mum and dad didn't know what to do with me at this point and they used to think, well, maybe if we just ignore the problem, maybe the problem's just going to go away. And when I look at this picture here, I wasn't just drug addicted. When I look at this picture here, the thing that I lost the most is I lost hope. Because you see, I threw myself into the drug scene at 15 thinking it was going to be the answer to my pain, my problems, maybe helping me to find a sense of belonging or maybe a little bit of fun. But the very thing I threw myself into at 15 was the thing that nearly killed me at 21. And the thing that I lost the most is I lost hope. And when you lose hope in your life, you lose the ability to want to pick yourself back up and face one more day. But in God's goodness and in His power and in His grace, He rescued me. And soon after this picture, I was charged by the police and came to a crossroads that I'm going to share tonight where I met Jesus, where He encountered me and I encountered Him and He pulled me up out of that dark world and translated me from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and I was never the same again during some of my very dark and lonely and depressing and very isolating days of my own personal recovery. I just remember saying this very small prayer to myself. God, if you give me my life back, I will give my life back to you and I will do whatever you ask me to do with it. And I've never gone back on that word. And that's the journey that I'm gonna take you on tonight. Now, I only have you for a few short moments. So if you are interested in reading more of my story or perhaps you think somebody should have been here that needs to hear this story, then I've brought a couple of my books. And my first book is Golden Haze, and it's my story. And we have this going right across Australia. So many people are getting impacted and and receiving salvation through that. And my second book is called Under Your Influence. The sub-theme is... Parenting teenagers into a drug and alcohol problem-free life. I wrote this when my girls were two and three. Well, they're 16 and 18 and all's going well. So there are some strategies that will be helpful in there for you. They're $15 each or two for $25. So the title of my message tonight is Glory Carriers. 2 Corinthians 4.6 message translation reads, Remember, Our message is not about ourselves. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ, the Master. All we are is messengers, errand runners from Jesus for you. It started when God said, light up the darkness and our lives filled up with light as we saw and understood God in the face of Christ, all bright and beautiful. Proverbs 27, 19 says, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Horizon Church, do you understand that time is ticking? Jesus is coming back. And there is a cry going out across the earth and every decade the cry appears to be getting a little bit louder. We don't know when he's coming. He will come at an unknown hour. So we need to be focused and we need to not get distracted and in fact we need to live a life that is prepared and this is by holding on to our first love, staying intimate with Jesus and remembering the first time you met him and carrying that first love fire in your heart to the world around you. And I believe that God wants to release a fresh fire in here tonight. Understanding that fire, it purifies, it cleanses us from idolatry, selfish ambition, jealousy, envy, flesh, carnality, addiction, lust. It cleanses, it purifies. Fire gives us power over sin and over the enemy, and fire gives us passion to share the good news of Jesus to people around us. And as well as that, I believe that God wants to release an anointing, a fresh wind, fresh fire anointing, one that will bring a new level of power and authority for you to go out and reach people around you and witnessing what God has done in your life. Because there is a whole world out there waiting to hear the good news of Jesus. There is a whole demographic of drug addicts and prostitutes and young people who are lost, who are wandering aimlessly, tripping over themselves, the blind leading the blind, falling into the ditch. And it requires the church to carry this fire, to carry this power, to carry this love to the world around them. They don't wanna encounter us, they wanna encounter the Jesus in us, the witness of what He's done in us. The Bible says in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Our witnesses, our testimonies, our stories of what Jesus has done are very powerful tools because when we bring it into a room like this and we begin to share what Jesus has done, our faith levels go from here up to here. But our stories of faith and our testimonies of what Jesus has done also show those in the world who don't yet know Him, that God is alive and He is active and He is real and He is relevant and He is ready to encounter them in their time of need. Our stories have the potential to unlock someone's destiny, witnessing God's goodness in great power and authority. What we have seen and experienced experienced. And as I share my testimony tonight, it's twofold. And that is to show you that our God is a God of miracles and He can take a broken life and restore it. And secondly, it's to show you the power of your reach, that when you move and and you move in the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, that you can make a mark on someone's life. Because on the other end of your obedience, are people waiting for your yes? You know, one time about 15 years ago, I was in a season of prayer and fasting and deep intercession and asking God for what was next. I was asking God to purify me, help me to have power over the enemy and help saying to him, God, will you use me? And I prayed a very bold prayer that I hope you will pray with me tonight. And I said, God, will you break my heart? For what breaks yours. And I picked up the phone and I took a phone call that was about to interrupt my life. And on the other end of the phone, it was a lady asking for Jade Lewis. And I said, Well, this is Jade Lewis. And she said, Well, who are you? And I said, well, who are you? And she said, well, I'm a volunteer at the State Maximum Security Women's Prison and some of the women are reading your book. They are loving it and they're wanting to know, can you come in on a Saturday morning and meet them? And at the time I was newly married and I had two daughters under two, and as I looked at them wiping Vegemite up and down my loungering wall, I answered very quickly and very firmly, well, thank you very much for the invitation, but it's not a very convenient time in my life at the moment. I'm really under pressure, I'm newly married, I've got two young daughters, so just wish the women all the best and I just hope one day that our paths will cross. I hung up the phone, my husband comes home from work, we begin talking and I said, you never guess who rung me today. He's like, who? I said, the state maximum security women's prison. He's like, no way, what did they want? I'm like, they want to know if I can come in and meet some girls that have been reading my story. And he's like, and what did you say? And I'm like, no way, anywhere but prison ministry. And then my husband sat me down and began to challenge me like every good husband does, right girls? And he said, but once you were like, these women... The least, the last, the lonely, the unlovely. Not many people wanted to talk to you, touch you, go out of their way for you. Yet somebody stopped and inconvenienced themselves and moved across the street and brought the good news of Jesus with power and authority to you. He said it's very obvious what you should be doing. You know, my story wasn't always about defeat and if we could go to the next slide. I grew up in a family where I've got a sister who's nearly two years older than I and my dad was always a big believer in sitting us girls down from a young age and he used to talk to us all the time about having a goal, about having a dream and he would say, girls just find something which you love to do and try your best at it. Next slide and next slide. So my dream as a young girl was to go to the Olympics. I used to love to run. So I joined the local athletic club and I began to train on the weekdays and compete on the weekends. And by the time I was 12, something really cool happened when I won my very first state medal for the 800 metres. And by the time I was 14, next slide, I went over to Singapore at, with the WA state team and won a gold and silver medal. I was a 4, 8, and 1500 metre runner and that year I won lots of awards for my sporting achievements and then I turned 15. Next slide. And at 15, because I kept my eye on my goal and where I was going, I was chosen to race in the state team going to Malaysia. I went to Malaysia and won a medal also. But it was when I was 15 that my life took this 180 degree turn. Because when I came back from Malaysia, little athletics had finished, so I had to either go up to senior athletics or go off and try another sport. But I decided at 15 I wanted to have a break. I was a bit burnt out, a bit bored, wasn't enjoying it as much, juggling schoolwork. So I sat down with my coach and my mum and my dad and we all decided that having a break from my sport would be the right thing to do. Giving up my sport was not the wrong thing to do. But giving up my sport began to highlight a major need in my teenage years, that a lot of my identity until that point was based on what I did, that I never really knew who I was. And when you don't know who you are and everything is based on what you do, when you do well, you feel awesome. Then when you don't do so well, it's compounded. And so I began this search at 15 of who am I? And what is my purpose and where do I belong? And unfortunately, I started to drift towards a group of kids at school that was going off to parties, drinking alcohol, smoking marijuana. And they weren't bad people, but the Bible is very clear that when the blind lead the blind, they both will fall into the ditch. We were all grouping together. We were all searching for meaning and belonging and we were looking in all the wrong places. Drinking alcohol led to smoking marijuana. Then I went to a rave party and started to use LSD and ecstasy. And just before my 16th birthday, I met my first boyfriend. And he was a lot more streetwise than me. He had family who were in and out of prison, and he'd been using drugs from a very young age. That it wasn't long before he came into my young life and flattered me with all these empty words, and because I was searching for love in all the wrong places, I grabbed whatever I could. And then he led me into a filthy old dirty rundown down bathroom and pulled out a needle full of drugs and asked me if I wanted to use it. Chapter 2 of Golden Haze, I open that paragraph with this sentence. No one ever forced me to take drugs. I was such a risk taker in all the wrong ways at 15 thinking somehow that I could experiment, have a different outcome than everyone else before me. But by the time I was 18 years old, I became addicted to heroin. And I remember waking up this one day and I just remember laying there in this house. I was fighting with my boyfriend all the time. We weren't just high on drugs anymore because you can only really stay high for three or four hours and what goes up must come down. So we would start to fight and he'd call me names, which led to a push and then a punch. Had all these secrets going on. My mum and dad didn't wanna talk to me anymore. There were no more drugs, no more bright lights. And I remember thinking to myself, I hate my life. And I thought that it was gonna be as easy for me to get up and just motivate myself and walk away. But it wasn't until the day that I tried to stop using drugs was the day that I realised I became a drug addict. So the problem became my parents. My parents did everything they could. My dad found out that this guy was beating me up. So my dad went out and found him and beat him up. And they returned back to my parents' house with big slabs of concrete cement and stood at my mum and dad's bedroom window and at about three or four o'clock in the morning threw it through their bedroom window. You see, the enemy isn't just after the one in the family. He will start with the one and drag the whole family unit in. John 10.10 says a thief will come only to kill and steal and destroy. So one by one, my family started to get dragged into this nightmare. My dad said, if you want to be with these guys, you go back to them, but you are not coming back into our family. That I went back to these guys who who I thought had everything that I wanted. That broke my dad's heart. Me, mum, dad, but what about my sister? My sister who liked life, who had a good job and would, but would come home and behind closed doors, it's like war zone. Mum and dad fighting. I didn't turn up. Mum's found drugs. Mum's found alcohol. Mum's found bongs. Police are there. When I turn up, I've been beaten up. My sister would walk into this and she's going, but my mum keeps telling me everything is going to be okay, but everything just keeps getting worse. Have you been in that moment before? My sister didn't know what to do. And the saddest thing in her story is this, is that she didn't think that there was anyone that she could talk to. Where were the young people? Where was the church? Where were those that would slow down long enough and see beyond their natural eyes and actually walk up to someone and say, hey, are you Okay. She bottled it up and up and up and up, and by the time she was 19, she was so vulnerable that one of my friends in the drug scene gave her heroin for the first time, and she became a drug addict as well. So our whole family was now dragged in to this nightmare. My sister and I were stealing, dealing, doing everything that we could, but about 2021, my mum came out to find me, and she just said to me, I need you to come home. You need to get away from this guy and come home. My family was so frozen in fear they didn't know what to do. But it was on Mother's Day that particular year that the police turned up and eventually I was charged. We can put my before photo up. And my dad came to the Perth police station as they read out my charges. My dad leans over the table and he says, Don't you dare ask me to help you. He said, If you want to be such a big girl and run around with these guys, He said, then you're going to learn the hard way and start to take responsibility. And even though I hated my dad for doing that, my dad was about to teach me a very important lesson that in life, every decision we make has a consequence. So I get to court and I'm standing there, and legal aid are reading out my charges and they're reading out my story. Like this girl is a drug addict, she's on heroin, violence, boyfriend and this magistrate stops this woman and in that split moment, I started to have a flash of different people that had come into my life. I started to cry out to God in that moment and I said, God, will you help me? Because in the cry of every human heart is to connect with the heart of the Father you think pre-Christ when you hit your toe, you go, oh my God, or slam your finger, oh my God, or you see something shocking, oh my God, because in the heart of every human is, is, is the desire to make peace with their heavenly Father. So I'm in the courtroom and I'm like, God, will you help me? And I had this flash of three people that God had brought across my path. And the first one was my social worker. My social worker, who was a fabulous Gloria Carrier. I used to have to go and see her one hour once a week for a year, sit and talk about my problems. I didn't realise until after uh, I went into rehabilitation and went public with my story and she tracked me down that she contacted me and she said to me, "Um, I just saw that you got your life back together. I said, well, you wouldn't believe it, but I am a born again Christian. She said, no way. She said, so am I. She says, I was never allowed to share my faith. She says, I was never allowed to pray for you, but I want you to know that I used to go back to my church and I used to gather with my girlfriends and stand in the gap and pray for all my clients. And God showed me when I met you that there was something much better than this life for you. You see, she witnessed in great power and authority, not necessarily the words that she spoke by by what she carried. The fire of God, the love of Christ, that she would sit and listen. You know, this woman is Acts 2 at the best. To go and preach the gospel without saying a single word. You see, what does your life say about you? If you didn't say one more thing, would people know that you carry the love of Christ? Sometimes you're the only Bible that people read. Are you embracing people or pushing them away? See when you carry the fire and you carry the power and you carry the love of Christ and you pray that bold prayer, break my heart for what breaks yours. You will never be the same. The second one was this girl that I used to work with. She used to follow me down to my uh, coffee uh, coffee room and she would say to me, "So I just want to ask you a personal question." And she would say, "Are you on drugs?" I used to hate when people ask me that. And so I would, and she says, it doesn't matter, but I want to share you a story. She goes, I used to be a heroin addict. And one day I went to church to pick up a food hamper. And when I walked into the auditorium, up the front was this music team. And there was a guy telling everyone about Jesus. And she goes, and on the front, on their knees was my brother, who was a drug addict. And all these people were surrounding him, which seemed like praying for them. So I thought, well, I can't miss out. So I went down the front, I got on my knees and the next thing, this addiction lifted off my shoulders. And she said, and I was set free in the name of Jesus. She said, I go to church every Sunday now and midweek, we gather in people's homes. We read the Bible, we sing a few songs, we play a bit of Scrabble, we drink a bit of hot chocolate and this week is bring a friend week. Do you wanna be my friend? I was like, oh, you know, respectfully, no. I said, you're kind of weird and strange. But she carried the power of God And she wasn't moved by my rejection of saying, oh, you're weird, you're strange. She didn't shrink back because that was more uh, an indication of my heart, not hers. And she would move into my space and keep praying for me. And whose voice do you think that I used to hear in my head when the drug dealer switched their phone off at two, three, four o'clock in the morning than this co-worker who said, do you know if God can do it for me? He can do it for you. You see, the Bible says one will plant, one will water, God will bring the increase. Never underestimate the seed that you're sowing. Never underestimate the living water that you're sowing onto that seed, but trust God for the increase. And the third one was this guy who I used to catch a bus with. He couldn't speak a lot of English, but he learned how to ask me, can you please come to my church and meet my pastor because I'm really worried about you. (laughs) And even though I didn't, you know it showed me in my young adult years, come on young adults, it showed me at 19, 20 and 21, that church was still relevant for people our age. So I'm standing in the courtroom and how could I call upon the name of Jesus Unless somebody had told me about him. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news? How powerful are the feet of those that bring the good news with fire and power and witnessing under the anointing of the Holy Spirit? And this magistrate goes, So, what are you going to do about your problem? And I'm like, Well, I'm going to go to rehab that's not the truth. I did not want to go and I didn't plan to go. But he said, good, well that's where you're going. He said, but if I see you up here in Perth doing all this stuff, he said, there's no more chances for you. So I went into a program called Teen Challenge, which is about eight hours out of Perth. Before you go there, you have to go cold turkey detox of everything. They don't even give you Panadol, right? So I get down there, I'm like, I've got this sorted. My dad flies me onto this aeroplane, hands me over to these workers. My dad didn't know that actually this program was gonna save my life. You see, my dad had pursued me and tried everything that he could, but it wasn't filling the void that I was about to see fulfilled when I met Jesus, my dad was trying his best. He was such a broken man and he pushed me away at this airport. He's crying, he gets back on the plane and it took him nine months to find my sister before he got her into a program in Melbourne. So I get down to this program and I wish I could stand here and go, yes, I went for a couple of weeks and it was awesome. No, I went for three years to learn to live my life again. And when I got there, you know, I started to discover that adversity comes in many different forms. Mine was addiction. Others was anger. Others was alcohol. Others was broken relationship. I wonder what your adversity is here today. Let me encourage you. Adversity does not make you a failure. The only time we fail is when we quit. And we lose the ability to find that inner fight to get back up and keep on going. And the smartest thing you can do when you're facing adversity is this, is find someone that's overcome what you're trying to and ask them how they did it. I began to ask the girls in the program, what changed your life? The first one said, Jesus, I said, stop. I thought I came to rehab, not Bible college. The second one said, well, in worship, I'm like, enough. (laughs) And then the third one that is still my best friend today, she came and spoke the five most powerful words that any Christian can speak to another human being. And that is, can I pray for you? Because what's the worst that people can say? It's no but at least you did and you were faithful to do what God asked you to do. I found myself in my room that night and I was crying out to God. And I said, you know, God, I see all these people that have the love and joy and peace and purpose and the power to overcome addiction. I want what they've got. You see, there's one thing about coming to church and being a spectator. And then there's another When you have a heart that says, God, I want to encounter you. I don't want to ride on everyone else's experience. I want my own. So I said, God, whoever you are, wherever you are, will you help me? And it was like this presence came into my room and I knew that it was a presence that I could not put any words to. And I know now that it was the presence of God. I gave my heart to Jesus and I received forgiveness. And not only that, is that I started to understand that now I made my peace with my heavenly Father. I started to understand who I was. When you don't know who you are, there is a whole world out there waiting to tell you what you're not. And as I've stayed in this encounter with Jesus, which seemed like an eternity, He began to speak to my heart. I was baptised in water. I was baptised in the Holy Spirit. And the fire of God began to fall on me so powerful that He began to change me from the inside out. Fire purifies And as the fire of God fell in a a world that says, look good from the outside in, Jesus says, no, 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 no. I wanna work from the inside out. I want your heart. I wanna give it a good clean. I don't want you to carry shame and guilt and embarrassment because I know everything that you have done. And yet I sent Jesus to the cross and He's looking at you and you're looking at Him and He embraces you with a holy hug. And forgives you. He began to cleanse me internally. The fire gave me this power to overcome sin and the power of the enemy because the truth is sin and rebellion cannot be medicated and it will not be overcome by your own human effort. And it won't be changed by behavior modification. That's why our prisons are so full, but it will be changed by a transformed heart. And the fire of God fell to give me a passion to witness what Jesus had just done in my life to the world around me. And God began to do great miracles. First to my Jerusalem, to my family, I began to write home and say, Mum and Dad, you wouldn't believe it. I'm a born again Christian. I said, Jesus has forgiven me from everything that I've done. He's changed my life and I'm reading the Bible. I mean, my parents got very concerned and caught the next flight down to Esperance to see what on earth, what was going on. And when they walked in, they couldn't deny it. And they had their own encounter with Jesus and what the enemy meant for evil to pull me in and my mum in and my dad in. He began to turn it around in one decision. They began their own journeys with the Lord. My dad found my sister. He got her into a teen challenge in Melbourne. She gave her heart to Jesus. And now our whole family was walking with the Lord. The Lord used Us all in his story. And then my prayer began and I'm going to land it now. After God began to release so many good things in my life, personally and within my family, I started to pray this bold prayer. God, I don't want to go back to where I was. I don't want normal. I don't want natural. I want to go after your heart. I want to share your heart with the world around me. Will you break my heart for what breaks yours? You see, so many people have sight, but they don't have vision. Proverbs 29, 18, it says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, God, will you break my heart for what breaks yours? Will you send me to this lost and hurting generation? As the time is ticking, the Lord is gonna require us to go out in fire and power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to witness to our family, to our friends, to our co-workers, to our schools, to our young people, to our universities, not by might, not through works, but by what God does in your life. Because we're saved from something to something. We're agents of change. So we'll just scroll through the photos now at your own pace. But I began to speak in schools. I began to share my message in schools. And this was over 21 years ago, I began to speak in schools about how my life got changed, how my relationship with Jesus helps me every day to to overcome and to do what I'm meant to be doing here on earth. Every year, the schools continue to open up. This led to families. Then I wrote two books and along the way, God answered my prayer and brought me my beautiful husband through high school ministry, You don't need online dating. Just hang out in your youth group. Go on outreach. (laughs) And then we had our two precious girls when I took that phone call. When I took the phone call of, will you come and meet these girls who are some of our society's most marginalised? But in the poor, in these women, In the homeless, in the prostitute, in our most broken people, we see Jesus in his most distressing disguise. And when you pray that bold prayer, God, will you break my heart for what breaks yours? You will never look at this demographic of people the same again. Someone once said that we should choose to see the broken, the addicted, the homeless, the desperate person as created in God's image. And though the layers of defeat, addiction, pain, abuse, trauma or suffering may hide it well, that image is there deep within them. And as we serve these people, it is though we are serving Jesus himself. You know, we set up a not-for-profit, we've had over 1,500 enrolments, we've raised over one and a half million dollars, we've had lots of uh, things happening within the prison, we've got girls who work in our church now, who head up our community outreach arm, we've won lots of awards, and this is no way to boast in what we have done but this is to show that when you stand there and you say, God, will you use me for your purposes? When I get to heaven, I want to know that I've brought everyone with me that you asked me to. So I want to ask this question of you, if we could have the keys up here. Have you ever prayed that prayer? God, will you break my heart for what breaks yours? In preparing my message tonight and even as I'm sharing here today, I can't help but feel that God wants to release something on this house. He wants a fire to fall upon us individually. He wants to purify us so that we are cleansed, that He can work through us. You see, when we give our hearts to Jesus and we go about our Christian life, We don't go, oh, you know, this glass of water is awesome. Yeah, do you know what? It's clean, uh, but I might just go and stick some toilet water in it and I'll keep drinking it. No, God wants purity of heart. He wants purity of life. He wants clean hands and a pure heart and He wants to work in you and through you. He wants to release a fire that will give you power over the enemy's strategies and tactics for you personally and for your family. But what God saves you from is for a greater purpose. I wonder if also you've been in here and you're saying, you know, Jade, as you're speaking tonight, I I really have never met this man, Jesus. I've heard about Him, I've been coming to church, I've even done some research, but I've never said, Jesus, will You forgive me of my sin? Will You be Lord of my life? I wanna follow You no matter what the cost. That's the key, no matter what the cost. You know, through COVID, you know, I just believe that there's been a straying where I believe that God wants to realign and He's saying no matter what the cost and it's time to reset tonight and it's time to have a north-facing view and keep your eyes locked on Jesus, stare down the enemy and know that if God started a work in you, He is faithful to complete it. You know, my husband and I now, we're pastors of a church. We've got lots of spiritual sons and daughters springing up and even God blessed us with a son. So now we have three children. And I look at what God has done in my life and I never forget the place that I've come from. And so I wanna pray for you tonight. I'm gonna pray for two groups. The first group that I wanna pray for is if you're sitting in here today and you're saying, I want to make a commitment to Jesus. I'm not proud of how I've been living. I've been living life my own way, but I've had enough and I wanna surrender. God's gonna come and He's gonna cleanse you. He's gonna forgive you. There's nothing that you have done in this room that excludes you from this prayer. He looks at you through rose coloured glasses and He sees you as a son and a daughter. There's no shame, no guilt. There's no condemnation. And you know, he even knows those things that no one else knows about. And he's saying he loves you and he forgives you. But it requires an external out, um, output to what is happening inside. And so, right now, in the privacy of the of everybody, I want us to close our eyes and I want to ask you this question. If you want to give your heart to Jesus and you want to receive his forgiveness here tonight. The power of God is here and He's welcoming you in. You feel that knock at your heart. You feel that desire within to enter in relationship with Jesus. I want you to lift your hands in just a moment. And what you're saying is, Jade, I want you to pray for me. So if that's you in here tonight and you're saying, I need God's forgiveness, I need His grace, I need to come back into relationship with Him. I want that fresh fire, that fresh burning. I want a new anointing. I wanna walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. If that's you in here, I want you to lift your hand so quickly so that I can see it and I'm gonna pray a prayer. You see, there's no point, I see your hand down the back and I see your hand down the back. Anyone today and I see anyone else here today, God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else here today, you're saying, I wanna come into relationship with Jesus. You see, there's no point waiting till tomorrow. We don't worry about yesterday and we're not too concerned about tomorrow, but it's right now, living in the moment, an opportunity. Don't put it off. Now you have an opportunity to come into relationship with Jesus, where He will embrace you with this holy hug and your life will never be the same. Who is it that I'm praying for in here today? Just lift your hand, I see your hand here. God bless you. Anyone else, as I look around the room, I see your hand here, God bless you. And up the back, God bless you. Anyone else, as I'm looking around the room, I don't wanna miss anyone. I feel there's two more people and you know who I'm speaking to in here today. I see your hand down here, God bless you. And there's one more that God's saying, come on, you're coming in too tonight. Who is it in here? You're saying, Jade, that's for me. One more person. Who is it? God's knocking I see your hand up here, that takes courage. Thank you, Lord. So I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to You now and I ask for Your forgiveness. I'm not proud of the way that I've been living, but today through Your help, I turn from that life of sin and I run into Your arms. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord over my life. And I ask You, Holy Spirit, to come and live on the inside of me and give me the power over sin and over the enemy. In Jesus' Name, Amen and Amen. Let's give a hand. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.